being a startup does not mean that we have to really be like, hey, let's go for profit because investors understand us. Like, you know, my mission as the founder and the CEO is to understand that we're pushing forward for a social mobility. We're pushing forward for a change in the society, in the industry. And that doesn't necessarily need to come with profit at the start. We want to make sure that we achieve such a purpose. Welcome to the What is UX podcast the show where we interview design leaders about their journey and experience so that you may learn from them. I'm your host, Peck Pompat. On this episode, we have Felix Lee, co-founder of ADP Lists, which is a huge designer mentorship platform. Actually, I found a few great mentees there. I started volunteering my time there. And then as well, I reached out to a few uh, mentors myself. So it's like bi-directional. So it's a great platform. So Felix, welcome to the show and thank you for creating it. Thanks for having me, Peck. Very excited to be here. Before we get started, I want to thank one of our, try to make it a point to re- call out some of our reviewers. And I want to show my gratitude for, for people who take the time to create a writer review. So we have here uh, Ketsuri. This is, uh, I bet you she's Thai. This is such a fun podcast with amazing lineup of designers from a variety of backgrounds. The interview was fun, casual, and insightful. This is a must for both beginners and veteran designers. I had a great time listening to their thoughts and behind-the-scenes stories of many well-beloved products. Thank you so much, Kitsuri. I really appreciate the review. All right, Felix, tell us a bit about ADP List. I'd love to hear like what sort of progress yeah. you have and kind of some of the amazing stats. For sure. So... At ADP List, our mission is to help democratize mentorships for any and everyone around the world. We imagine and we want to create a world where anyone literally can get access to quality mentors from any corner around the world. And we believe that such conversations and such knowledge conversations in particularly surrounding our careers and passion can help change the world and can help inspire someone to do better, be it personally or professionally as well, which is why we even started this platform during the height of the pandemic back in 2020. So it has been around just a little bit more than a year right now, about 14 months. But today we have over 2,000 mentors on the platform, easily one of the largest. And we have done over, we've seen over 6,000 bookings and sessions since just in January to today. That's just in about six months or so, uh, or, or even less. We have been seeing a very amazing you know, conversations happening cross-borderly from over 40 countries for us at ADP. So this is something that, that as a team, we're still continuing to forward. And we continue to partner every of our mentors to drive this mission that we believe is so powerful that could help empower and inspire so much more designers. And in fact, we recently went into the space of product management as well to really inspire the next generation of builders and creators to really you know, uh, have their knowledge being passed down from one generation to the next as well. So that's what we're really doing. That's amazing. So is, is this now a funded startup or what's going on? Yeah, for sure. So we are free. So just to be clear, everyone can use this for free for mentors and mentees. That's, that's really what we want, how we want to keep things accessible. But yes, we are funded. We actually got uh, funded uh, by quite a uh, few angel investors, uh, which are close friends of mine, which I'm very grateful for. So shout out to them. And as well as uh, just one VC firm that, that will be coming on board uh, very soon as well. So yeah. Okay, amazing. So what's the vision to make this a sustainable platform for you then? For sure. So, you know, what we have today, we want to keep it free 
uh, forever. You know, that's what we really intend to do because uh, we believe that knowledge should be democratized and we believe that such conversations should be accessible to people, right? And so the way that we think about sustainability of the platform is really about, you know, um, introducing new formats in the future where professional coaches or professional courses uh, that are taught by mentors could be charged at, at a premium that is not obviously not too expensive, but, you know, something that is also accessible. But really keeping conversations free while introducing something a little bit more structured and professional in the future that, that could be paid by the mentees or the mentors themselves. Amazing. So as a designer, did you design ADP lists? Oh, that's a great question. Actually, I, I was one of the first. So me and James, right? James is my co-founder. Actually, we were the first designers of the platform. Today, we still, most of the designs that we produce are still part, largely part of the, the, the product. So, you know, I, I would say that, yes, I, I, I did play a very important part in uh, designing that. Amazing. How <laughs> big is the team there. now? Yeah, yeah. How big is the team now? Um, the team is about eight people right now. Just to, to design, it's just one, one designer on board. We have eight full-time employees and uh, we have about 20, volunteers that is helping us to run communities continuing the initiative you know at a, you know being a startup does not mean that we have to really be like hey let's go for profit because investors understand us like you know my mission as the founder and the ceo is to understand that we're pushing forward for a social mobility we're pushing forward for a change in the society in the industry and that doesn't necessarily need to come with profit at the start we want to make sure that we achieve such a purpose, we achieve such a mission with together with the mentors before anything else that, that come before us. So yeah, uh, we do have a lot of volunteers and eight full-time employees. It's amazing. I've been able to reach out and some very fine, first of all, find some really quality mentors on your platform and then also be able to reach out to them and, and schedule time and get time with them and then be able to have a conversation. You know, in terms of the initial days and the how did the design influence, you know, how did you get some of these designers on board with the idea? Uh... Yeah, first of all, thank you for obviously <laughs> saying that the quality mentors, because you yourself, you're one quality mentor. Anyone listening to this pack is on the platform, go, go for it. Uh, yeah, um, I'll send you a link. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, that's a great question, you know, like how do we get the initial mentors? And when we started the platform, I was one of the first few mentors today. I still remain one of the mentors. And I just, in fact, before this podcast, I just actually had one of my morning mentoring sessions. I started off by just me and a couple of friends, right? We were like, you know, let's be someone's mentor during pandemic. Let's help someone, right? And we really started off as this very simple spreadsheet where we put our names there and we just put it out there in the public and we say, hey, me and my friends in this spreadsheet, you know, we're accessible. We're, we're kind of like here for you. So you can reach out to us on LinkedIn and you can PM us or Calendly, you know, kind of like kind of thing where you can just book us a time and then we can just have a chat, right? During the pandemic. But we realized that, that the idea of mentorship happens beyond the pandemic. I mean, this is something that has been done by people for a very long time. In fact, if you think about it, you know, the way that I always sort of like, you know, share the history of mentorship is that to understand what we're building in the future, we have to understand the history. And the history of mentorship has really began like decades ago where social network has really started, right? Where, where you would traditionally go to someone uh, on, on social network and, and PM them and said, hey, can you, you know, teach me something or, or whatnot? And, but the problem with that, right, with that, that is what I call the mentorship 2.0, right? 2.0 is really the social network is that, you know, you got to co-message someone, you got to co-email someone and sometimes they don't reply or sometimes they don't have the intention to mentor you because they might be busy or they might just not want to, they might not just be keen on, on mentoring or whatnot. And you, people end up getting sort of like left out because those uh, messages would not follow up. So what we then realized was the fact that, you know, people rather just have a 30 minutes call like that, right? Like just, okay, just send me your questions. Let's just get on a 30 minutes call and kind of like, let, let me teach you and go through it with you just over 30 minutes. 
And we realized that was a really good way, right? Like, and we try to reimagine the experience. What if you could actually get on someone's uh, calendar uh, for just 30 minutes on, on a Sunday morning, right? And just like, kind of like ask a question, how great would that be? And so we designed in a way the platform for mentors to easily come here and say, all right, I have like, I have two 30 minutes on a Saturday and two, like one 30 minutes on a Sunday. And I want to give that to, to someone who needs it, right? And so they come to our platform, easy to set up, right? Even the own calendar management system uh, recently, right? Set up and someone could actually just book your time. And this person could be out of your city, right? This person could be out of your country as well. And that's the part that is magical because like never before, you know, you could connect with someone so easily cross-borderly from a country that you've never been to, from a place that you've have, you have never known, right? And I think that's what's inspiring about this conversation is that, you know, you're elevating the kind of like knowledge cross-borderly and people kind of like get to share their cultures, their knowledge and what they're learning at, at different places. So yeah, you know, that's how, how it is. And uh, today, 2,000 mentors and all of them are organic. We have spent like $0 on marketing and because all the mentors are just amazing themselves. So yeah. Yeah. I love how lean you started. You know, there's so many stories of MVPs that are, that look like, you know, using existing tools. You said a spreadsheet, right? Like I think AngelList was just a newsletter email and so was uh, Product Hunt. So I love how lean this is. At what point uh, did it become, you know, hey, the spreadsheet just isn't doing it anymore. We, we need something better. Yeah. So, you know, the funny thing was this, right? When I started the spreadsheet, it was just me and a couple of friends who wanted to be a mentor. And James, my co-founder, then came in and he said, look, like I'm a web flow developer. And, you know, James <laughs> and I, we, ne- we, we never really met, by the way. So we met on LinkedIn, right? He reached out to me on LinkedIn and he said, hey, I saw your spreadsheet. I thought it was really cool. But you're building this for like a bunch of community uh, of designers or whatever, right? Like, like, you know, are you sure you want to do it in a spreadsheet? Because I'm not sure if, if they're going to like the experience. And, and I think about it, you know, like, I thought about it. I was like, yeah, why not, right? So we coded a, like a simple no-code, sorry, it's a no-code Webflow platform. And it's like, just like a landing page, right? Like these are the people that, that you can reach out to. And at some point, you know, to your question, how, how do we think about leveling this up, right? Like with all the sign-in, log-up and kind of thing, login and kind of thing. And we realized that like a lot of things were like really done manually and it was taking up a lot of time. So back then, I was still in the military service in Singapore and I actually was going to get my full-time job as well. So, you know, there was this transition period and it was just really busy for us, for the both of us. And we realized that, hey, we were still doing a lot of things manually. Like we're putting the names manually. Everything was still going through a Google form, you know, and we realized that it was painful, right? And one of the things that I learned from my mentors, you know, I have to thank my mentors for that as well, is that they always taught me about the mantra and the value of doing things manually until they're painful. And then yeah. you automate it, right? And so I realized that we were spending a lot of hours just doing things manually. And that was when we actually switched to something a lot more tangible, a lot more automated. And we actually made that switch late last year. So it was like pretty recent. So we actually made that switch to the new platform that you're on right now only in December in tw- of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Is it still the low-code platform or is it a completely custom platform at this point? It is completely custom platform at this point. We have uh, our own um, engineering team running it right now. Got it. Got it. I noticed once you graduated from Singapore Polytechnic, it seemed like you started a company right away, Pactat. Is that right? Yeah. So I started that during my, my, my Polytechnic years, actually. I see. I see. So you didn't even wait till you graduate. I did not, <laughs> I did not wait till I graduate. I, I see you as a, somewhat of a startup guy, also doing a lot of design. What would you say, you know, are, are you more design? Are you more startup? 
is it what is it <laughs> how would you describe yourself well you know that's a great question take i i think the best way to kind of like describe it is that i'm entre- i'm an entrepreneur who uses and i love design who who loves and uses design to solve problems right i, I think a lot of entrepreneurs they sort of like solve problems in in different way right i mean if you look at sort of like elon musk himself he's probably more of such an engineer kind of guy you know there are some like marketing geniuses who are like founders themselves Yeah. Uh, whereas for me like i i am a founder who focuses a lot on design and emphasize a lot on using design to solve uh, problems yeah so that's how i call myself i would always say that i'm a i'm an entrepreneur first before i'm a designer but i use design to actually solve that problem that i want to solve great answer i always ask this like what makes uh, what's what makes good design in your definition great question you know good design is first of all intentional and very purposeful right now what, one of the things about great design is that it talks about the intentionality behind the look feel and experience of that like what was the intention when it was first the idea was first conceived right was the was it intentional to solve a a problem in the world that we're seeing or is it and it's sort of like the intention was just to make profit out of something what is the exact intention that you're building this thing right that's the number one thing and the great design being intentional is that you know everything that you do does the little details actually matter right like does those details actually are taken into consideration those things are very you know like intentional and they're just like something that i would consider almost irreplaceable so if you look at a great design i think apple you know in a very earliest days where steve jobs was there you know every single design was very intentional it was very well thought of and very well crafted right like things like you know not using a stylus you know the first iphone and what not these things are very well thought of and intentional and these are things where a great design team would put together and say that this is what i call a great product because everything through the journey is very well thought of The next thing that that in my definition of a great design is it being a natural extension of a human being. I think this is something that is not talked often about. But a great design shouldn't feel like an object or utility outside of your natural extension. Now, what I mean is that like a great design should almost feel so natural to you that it does not exist at all, right? Now, if you think about great designs on a uh, day-to-day basis, let's say. For example, there's this concept where if you go to the bathroom, there is no like the, the toilet roll is like you know somewhere like way behind it, and you can't reach it. You probably kind of like get angry or something. But if it's just there, you wouldn't complain or you wouldn't ap- appreciate it, right? But the thing about not appreciating appreciating that design is the beauty of that. That is a good design because you it's so good that you don't actually even realize it because it's a natural extension of what you do, and so great design is often considered to me a natural extension of someone's. natural behavior right and that if you're able to create that product or that service would mean a lot and would be meaningful to someone now the way that we see the adp list is that mentorship has already been existing for years and decades as mentioned right and the way that we kind of just take that natural extension and make it into an experience simpler for them is the way that we would conceive a uh, great design so yeah if i were to sum it up purposeful and and being a natural extension to someone's life and and a human being life is is what i would define as a great design. Yeah. It sounds like good design is so it's so good that you take it for granted almost, right? Like you don't even realize it. You don't appreciate it. Yeah, you you know that using those words like you don't even appreciate it because it's it works so well, you don't even question it. But if it's broken, if it's not there like you said, if the toilet roll is not reachable or 
behind something and then it hurts, then it's not good design. When it's not there, when it's not done right, when that's when it hurts, that's when you realize it's not well designed. That's exactly. a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the maybe kind of give us some real examples since you live in the ADP product, ADP list product, what are some things that you did very intentionally to make it feel, you know, like an extension? hundred percent. So, you know, one of the things where we realized earlier on in the days, and in fact, this is quite recent as well, was the notion that, you know, like people were actually missing like meetings, right? Like mm-hmm. people were missing their, yeah, their mentoring sessions. And we realized like, what is the problem with that, right? We kind of like understood like, what was the problem with that? And we realized that the problem was actually the scheduling part of things, right? Like you want to book someone, but you do not have the intention. And some of them are not that like serious at times, right? And so we wanted to make the process a lot more simpler for anyone. And we realized that there was two problems on both sides of the mentees and the mentors, right? Now let's talk a little bit more about the mentees first. But on the mentee side, the problem was that they weren't receiving like proper calendar invitation from Calendly. They were not getting like notified. There is no system on ADPDs that tracks their bookings because it was like you book on Calendly and we're like done, right? Because you're booking on Calendly. All we did, all we do previously was just to redirect you to Calendly, right? And that was an issue. So they weren't getting notified. They weren't getting enough like tracking. And so they eventually sort of like forget about the meeting uh, when the meeting is about to take place. That's one. The second problem that they faced was that if we use Calendly and we continue to do that, there, there's a problem of them trying to find people who are available right now because we have no data on Calendly, right? So it's hard for someone to filter by saying, hey, I want to meet someone on the next two weeks, right? Who is available? We're not able to pull that data out previously because, you know, like we just don't know which mentors are free based on their Calendly because we don't check that, right? And so that was the problem that the mentees are facing. Let's look at the mentor side. The mentor side, just one main problem. The one main problem is that the Calendly is mixed with a lot of their work stuff. That's number mm. one that they're, they're using. Second thing, the Calendly isn't the really the easiest thing in the world to set up for them. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> right? A yeah. lot of, I had that a lot for everyone. And so James and I, a couple of months back, we look into these two problems, right? You have the mentee who faces a scheduling problem. You have a mentor who faces a setting up problem. Now, how do we solve that? Now, we went to study several products in the scheduling you know, industry or whatever you call it, right? Like we went to study several products, two of us, and we realized that there's a huge problem that could be solved, right? In this space. Like we don't want to be competing in Calendly because that's not what we do, but we want to build something intentionally for our community to use, right? That was when we studied all the products and we realized that, okay, there's an opportunity for us to build something for our platform, right? And which is why, a couple of weeks back, we actually launched the first beta version of our calendar management system for our mentors, right? In just two simple steps, they're able, less than a minute, they're able to actually set up their calendar and set up their schedule directly on ADP list and start accepting or declining requests, right? And so everything is trackable on ADP list for them. They get reminders. We send out the invites for them, right? They get reminders as well. And on the other side, on the mentee side right now, you're able to book directly on ADP list. You don't have to go to Calendly. Right. You're, a- you're able to track your bookings. You're able to under- know when it's, com- it's coming. You're able to get reminders. But most importantly, you know, they're able to find by availabilities right now because all the calendars is integrated on ADP list. We're able to tell them which mentors is available at which time. And so they're able to find it as well. Now, if you think about that, that design of the calendar system itself was a big project. But why was it so important? Because it was pivotal in experience for both the mentees and the mentors. And 
that comes with a lot of intentionality. You know, it comes with a lot of intentionality, intentionality to understand what was the problem that they were solving? What was the issue? Because we spent three weeks of engineering resources building that. It wasn't the most uh, affordable thing, to be honest. But w- there was a risk that we had to take for our community because we realized that if we were to be very intentional about what we're solving, this is one of those key pieces that we have to do for both the mentors to set up and the mentees to find and connect with their mentors, right? To have a better overall experience. Yeah, so this is just one of those moments where, where we kind of like put that thought into design thinking and solving the problem. What a great example. You know, to be honest, I haven't logged in since you've launched this new one. Now that you've told me about this uh, feature, actually, I see it now that I'm looking at it. My booking's new. Okay, amazing. Yeah, that's... I I will be giving you... I'll be giving you the beta access. I'll be giving you the beta access right after our call so you can set it up. Yeah. Yeah. So some of my listeners are are new designers. So I highly encourage... uh, you to check out adplist.org, Felix's platform here. You'll find great mentors. Prior to this platform existing, I don't know how you would, you know, lots of people imagine, oh, they want to work at some company, right? Like they, they have a notion like, hey, I want to work at this company or that company. And that was, I would say, previously pretty much inaccessible, right? And having a platform like this today allows someone with no connection, just graduating, to be able to just find, hey, I want to work at YouTube, Netflix, Google, whatever, right? To be able to reach out and get coaching. I'm like, hey, what are you guys looking for to be able to hire, you, you know, someone like, and be very intentional to use that word and explicit and get the answer and, and be able to really up the odds of them landing a job like this. Because if you don't know what a designer or a design recruiter or potentially your interviewer is looking for, then how can you work to improve that? So I think that's a great, great way. How are some, how are other ways that people are using the platform? So tell me about kind of what, what people are asking in terms of mentorship and sessions and stuff like that. For sure. So one of the things that we actually also created quite a couple of months back, actually like two months back is the notion of group sessions, because we realized that, you know, mentors, they open up, you know, two to three or four slots per week, you know, 30-minute slots. And, and, and we realized that some people really wanted more. And the way that we conceived that was that people wanted it also in the form of a group. Sometimes they're like, hey, I'm good with one-to-one. That's very personal. That's very private. I love that. But there are some people who said like, can we do like a workshop together? Can we host? Can I just as a mentor also host like a group session? And that was when we actually launched our early access towards the group sessions where mentors can actually host group sessions and these group sessions are no like you know we, we don't dictate the way that they do it they could it could be a workshop it could be like a group session for you know like a presentation a keynote or whatever they want or like a, just a discussion right so we enable them the tools to actually host a group session now this is a kind of like what we're seeing right now people love that people in fact they love that format and the the reason why a lot of mentors continue to host group sessions on our platform today is that we have a wide reach of audience around the world that could, they could touch their lives on right like Posting this on their LinkedIn, they could probably only reach their network. But posting the group sessions on ADP list, you could reach a very direct uh, audience, right? That is in the design industry or product management industry who are interested to learn that. We sort of like took that concept uh, of group sessions and then put it on ADP list and it worked really well. Uh, so these are some of the ways that people are using the platform right now. Uh, there are, so recently as well, like, like, you know, I've been on calls with like users. As you know, one of the things that I do on a day-to-day basis is to get on calls with users and email them, right? Like as a co-founder, that's the number one thing that I prioritize on is to get so close to our users. And like, I realized is that like, 
the people that are using the platform initially were students, like like new designers as and product managers, as you mentioned. But now we realize that there is a whole entrant of people who are already in the industry, but they're getting promoted, right? So say for example, someone is a is a product designer at Facebook and they're getting promoted to a senior product designer. And they kind of want to know what to expect in their next role or this through this promotion. And they come here and actually book someone that they that, that is already either in that role or had been through that role. So we're sort of like seeing a new entrant of a new type of a member in a community who, are, who is using this differently as well, which, which we really appreciate that sort of use case. Yeah, that, that's an interesting use case. I remember a startup that did almost like a, they, they did like some, almost like a statistical analysis of the trajectory of career of, of engineers, you know, kind of looking at it's just scraping a lot of social data to see like, hey, you know, a Google engineer starting at the bottom, what can they become? And, and almost building an org chart, you know, like a tree of kind of the, the rise of the career. Maybe you can kind of take that idea almost and, you know, hey, I, I sign up and I'm a designer level two oh, you should meet with these types of designers or suggest, you know, the types of mentors they should be meeting with. You know, you can, you know, based on who you are, you could almost suggest mentors for them. That's a great idea. I actually just typed some notes on that. So thank you. That. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. I love thinking about uh, grokking product with people. Always. Um, yeah. And to the listeners out there, actually, Felix is very accessible. You've always taken the time to respond to me. So, you know, really, really awesome guy here. Thank you for that. Thanks for that, Peck. I, I, yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. You're actually, you're the third Singaporean on, on my podcast. I had, or, or someone who lives in Singapore, Jay Damatillo from Grab. Was, uh, I don't know mm. if you know him. Yes. He, may, yeah. he might be on your platform. And then Pramika. Posa from GovTech Singapore. She was on the platform. I actually found her on the platform. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I was very curious. I was like, oh, what do people do here at, at this, you know, kind of like this government sector? Part of the podcast is to try to give cover as many vertical industries so that, you know, part of my mission is to give people an idea of, you know, if you're a new designer, you know, like I think you, it would benefit you to know, hey, if I want to go into healthcare design, what does that even mean? Oh, it means a lot of regulations. I mean, FDA approval, you know, it takes for years. If you're a patient person, then, but you want to save lives, design that saves lives, that this is great. But if exactly. you, you know, if you are a bit more, I don't know, impatient, you might want to do startup design and, you know, you can iterate, you can put stuff live. And if it doesn't work, you kill the design and, you know, learn fast. I, I try to kind of cover multiple industries, multiple bases, and yeah. then, you know, resources like, like ADP list that is, is helpful for designers. Thank you. Thanks for that. I mean, it's, it's definitely a very helpful podcast and, and resource for a lot of people. I would definitely love to share it forward, to be honest. Like, you know, like I, I think that, that there could be much more things and knowledge to be shared in terms of like industry specific because you know like I've been in a lot of industry like the travel industry the fintech industry like sustainability industry like they all have like different issues right like like look for example when I was in the travel industry you got to deal with like travel seasons you got to deal with like people who book way in advance or people book in demand like family travels or whatever like there's a lot of things happening in travel and you think about fintech right regulations number one thing regulations yep. and then you think about let's say sustainability, one that, that I'm still very big on, you know, and I'm a big advocate for it. It's like understanding like, oh, like people want to be sustainable. Like they understand the concept of being sustainable, but they just don't do it, right? Because there is no 
effective or efficient way for them to execute those sustainable methods. And so there's different problems in the different industry. And I thought like design is a great way to solve that. I, I mentioned to you, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur who uses like design, the lens of design and solve problems because I think that design can solve a lot of these problems that we're looking at. Yeah. Take me back a little bit before you use design to solve problems at ADP. Yeah, I see you listed GoTrade and PassPod. Packdad, like how, how did you leverage design to solve problems in your previous careers? For sure. I started, so I was never really a designer. I never came from a design school. I never been to college actually. Polytechnic in Singapore is not a college. It's not a university. University is, I'm supposed to go university like last year. So I never really been to college. But in fact, like I started my first company when I was like 19 years old in, in, back in school. And I actually sold that company when I was like 21 years old. And so there was like pack that the travel industry and the way that like I have always used design to solve problems is really about understanding sort of like what is the problem that we're trying to solve here. Like, look, there has, has been a lot of debate around things like, okay, how are we going to push this button? How does this look? And everything like, you know, first principles, right? Like as an engineer, as a designer, I always think about first principles, like down to the first principles, like why are you solving this? What is the problem that is solving like, why is this important? What is the value of this thing, right? Like, design is about asking yourself the right questions at the right time, right? Because there is no right answer in design, right? Things can go different ways in, in many different designs. Like, design is an experimentation. Design is more science than art, right? Because art is subjective. Science is not. Science is experimentations. And you get that result the result doesn't lie, right? So design is a lot of experimentation. Design is more science and art. And so right now, if you think about that, right, it's about going into the experiment and asking the right questions. Like, you know, when I was at GoTrade, a lot of things that I asked myself as a, in the fintech industry where, you know, fin just a little background about GoTrade is that they're sort of like a Robinhood app, but for Southeast Asians. And so when I went there, one of the th key things that I understood was like, what is the problems that, the people in Southeast Asia are facing right now buying and trading stocks, right? Buying, selling, and trading stocks. Now, a lot of the things that they're facing are things like expensive prices, right? To buy a stock of Facebook, you can't buy a fraction of it, right? Because they're not like Robinhood. There's no platform like Robinhood here. So it's hard for them to buy a fraction. So that's one problem they were seeing. The second one was like, okay, the interface for the brokers here, they're really hard to use. It's really tough to navigate to sign up for an account. You got to go down to the bank. You got to kind of like, you know, submit like hard copies. Like it was so complicated, the process, right? And so as a designer, you think about all these more detailed issues and you sort of like put them together and you piece a puzzle and say, like, why is this happening? And how can we make it different? How can we make it a little bit better, right? And so when I designed GoTrade in mind, you know, we had fractional shares, right? So like we were able to pull off fractional shares so people didn't have to buy the full share of a, of a stock. They could do an online onboarding. They did not have to submit the KYC documents manually or send a hard copy. They could do it exactly just right on the phone itself, right? And so the easy registration process, the easy user experience to even start trading a stock and whatnot has all been designed intentionally because of the study of the context or the environment in which the product operates in. Now, if you think about that, it's fascinating, it's, it's magical because the way that design is, it's not just about the way that something looks, feels, but the experience is not just to the individual. The experience is to the context in which the individual and the product operates in. That is the fascinating part about the design. 
Yeah, design has to be very contextual because you cannot apply, take, you know, whatever, Charles Schwab, Ameritrade, and just plop it into Asia and expect it to work. Like you said, you know, the prices are very different, earning power, whatnot. You have to understand the local local principles and local values and the local issues. Yeah. How did you get around the, the KYC stuff? As someone who's lived in Thailand, so much of it is low tech, paper, go into an office, fill out yeah. a lot of paperwork. It's, it's very non-electronic at all. Um, oh, we had to work with a lot of, we had to work with a lot of like legal operators as well. We had to work with definitely a lot of, I would say, regulations as well within regulations thankfully we do have a quite a good team of people who helps to run that department which obviously i'm not involved in but they made that happen right so as a designer you try to conceive if such things could be possible you, know, you discuss the possibilities with different departments that's where the collaboration comes in really important not just in fintech but in different industry you know like you really understand is this doable is this something that we can actually try to push for because if we push for that it actually moves the needle i think a lot of times we people tend to try to Put things forward that might seem important but i would always say try to put things forward that can push the needle or turn the needle to the right direction for the company so yeah you know i this is another common thread where you know a lot of designers i'm talking to and in interviewing they actually did not study design i i spoke to youtube's first designer christina and she studied russian you know the language you know for, for her degree and, but she, she became YouTube's first designer. How did you get into design and how, you know, how did you teach yourself design? Yeah, I actually taught myself design through a lot of like online free causes to start off with YouTube and most importantly, DMing people on LinkedIn for mentorship. Nice. Now, I did not actually get a lot of replies, which is why obviously ADTs was conceived. I actually only met two or three people through years of, years of like studying, right? But that was how I got into, into design. But if you ask me, the question of like getting into design, truth to be told, right, Peck, I never wanted to get into design. It was never part of my intention to say like, look, like now I'm an engineer, let's get into design. I never once did I know about UX and never once did I, even when I know about UX, I was like, that's what I want to do in the future. Because that, that's not really what I want to do in the future. That for me, design, engineering, marketing, sales, to me, it's always a means to an end. And that end is about solving the world's problem. It's about making a positive impact. Yeah. It's about yeah. leaving the world a better place than I found it. So did I intentionally get into design? No. I learned design because it was needed for me to conceive the idea that I had in my mind into reality yeah. so that people could see something tangible. Like, I mean, I could have done that through engineering, which I did. But design was something much more, you know, visual for people back then. And I had to paint it out there for people, which is why I had to get into design, right? And I found out that, hey, I really like that. And I really felt like it was something that I could relate to because it was, it was in every part of the things that I used day to day, right? And which is how I got into it. But really, didn't want to get into design. I got into design and I started learning design by myself because it was needed to make an impact. Because it was needed to conceive like the idea that I had into reality. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's one of the many toolkits in your tool belt. It is, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, as an appreciator of design, I feel the same way. And I too didn't have a design background. Unfortunately, unlike you, I didn't have the privilege of online courses and and whatnot. Back back in my day, I had to go to the bookstore, 
and I had to buy like a big thick book on Adobe Photoshop for, oh, and God. it came with a, a CD, you know, with examples. <laughs> there was no, you know, the internet was very nascent. So there was no like designer social network or anything like that. And, and LinkedIn, I think was maybe just starting. I think the world is uh, so much more accessible now and, and you're definitely leaving the, the world in a much better place. At the very least, you're connecting designers and making the design world much more accessible. So I appreciate and thank you for that. Thank you so much, Peg. Yeah, yeah. It's been an honor and a pleasure having you on the show and learning more about your journey uh, as an individual and in the platform. For sure, Peg. Thank you so much for inviting me here. I had so much fun today. Oh, you're welcome. The pleasure is all mine. Thanks, Peg. Thank you for joining us on this episode of What is UX? If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you leave us a review, I'll make sure to shout it out on the show. If you have any questions, send them to questions at whatisux.co and our guest and I will try to answer them on the show. And you can always find us on whatisux.co. See you on the next one.